Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. I'm your host, Russell Hartman, and joining me this week, Forever Blue Shirts Editor-in-Chief, Zach Chigger, and Forever Blue Shirts Staff Writer, Mr. John Luke Shapiro. How you fellas doing on this fine day? Good, Russ. How are you? Pretty good. Hello, hello, doing, hello. I'm I'm good. Can y'all hear me? All right. Shoot. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad we have no technical difficulties to start off. So, uh, everything's been good. Ranger Town, except we're gone two straight losses after that great streak of nine one and one. Let's focus on some of the really good stuff that's been going on with the team recently. First off, and first and foremost thing we need to discuss is Heatlemania exploding at the Garden over the past few weeks. Filipino recently scored in five straight games ever since being moved up to the top line and playing in the top six with Mika Zibanejad, uh, some combination of Chris Kreider, Vlad Nemesnikov up there. Uh, the kid has looked absolutely amazing, taking more chances. And look at that celly he did on that last goal that he had, I believe it was against the Islanders at the Garden where he just kind of put his hands up and said, give me more. Garden crowd was loving it. I was loving it. The kid looks like the real deal. Jay, I will start off with you on this one. Filipino looking great ever since he's been pulled off that fourth line, looking like the guy we, you know, everyone thought we were getting when we drafted him that high two years ago. What do you think, buddy, about this recent offensive outburst? Is this his coming out party? Oh, man. Uh, Well, if anyone wants to take a listen to the previous podcast, I said, well, maybe we can put him up on a line with Nemestikov's advantage at or put him up on the second, you know, line with Hayes and something like that. And apparently David Quinn must have been listening to us somehow because apparently that's what he did the day after we actually spoke about that. And then what do you know? All of a sudden the kid just starts to score like crazy. His play, it started to go up a little bit and then it's all of a sudden just boom, just hit everything. And it seems like he's a lot more confident now. And it seems like he's more engaged and he seems comfortable now, which is good because now it seems like he's up to the speed of the NHL and that he's able to, you know, read the play correctly. And now his natural talent is starting to take over along with his natural tenacity that he has. I'm, I'm loving it. I was at the game on Sunday against the Panthers. And I'll tell you what, when he scored, I, I, I don't think I've heard that place go as nuts as I've heard it in some time for one guy, at least. Everyone was just going insane. This kid is so good. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, they really hit it out of the park with it. I mean, 
it's 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 good to it's one thing to see him play well in preseason, which I have, but then to see that actually translate over into the NHL style of play and him actually start to dummy a bunch of NHL defenders and goaltenders, I mean, yeah, that's pretty legit. So I think if you know he keeps it up, kid's gonna definitely pan out to be something else. But I'm riding the wave right now, man. My next jersey purchase is gonna be a Philip Heal jersey for sure. Oh yeah, I mean it's great. I was lucky enough to be there when the streak started against the Vancouver Canucks, and the Garden exploded when he got his first of the season. I happen to have a Philip Heal jersey on the way right now. It'll be here this week. Can't wait for it to get here. Zach, Philip Heal. Uh, you know, no one knew who he was two years ago when we picked him at 21st overall. There were still some really good players left on the board. Uh, Ellie Tolvanen comes to mind as one of those that people wanted the Rangers to grab. Uh, we grabbed Filipito. It looks like it's paying dividends now. And based on what people were saying, he would have been an even higher pick if he made the cutoff for last year's draft. What do you think about Filipito's recent play? And uh, what, how do you feel about keeping him in the top six going forward? Well, number one, you have to like what you've seen. There's no question the kid is a high, high level talent. He was just waiting for that first one to go in, which is something that we talked about before that he had the looks, you know, as AV was fond of saying, he got the good looks, but unfortunately wasn't able to cash in on them. And then, you know, he gets one and all of a sudden the floodgates open. So for Hedl, it, it seemed like it was more of a confidence thing. He was getting shots to the net. He was going to the right areas of the ice to get shots and to get pucks on net. Um, and it was just a matter of time before it finally happened. Um, as for should he be in the top six, for now, yes, with, with Zuccarello being out and the Rangers having just recalled Tim Gettinger a couple minutes ago after they sent him down after last night's game. But, you know, when Zoo comes back, you know, we'll see. Because the Mesnikov, the Banajad, uh have been playing well. Hedl may come out for Zook when uh, Zook is actually back. And then, you know, you have to see what the second line is. If it's Hayes and, uh, and VC or whatever the combination is. Hedl has been playing well on the wing. So does this mean he's transitioned into a winger now? You know, time will tell. But if he's playing well, there's no reason to take him out of the top six. The only question is, what do you do when the lineup is completely healthy? I think that's a good point, Zach. That's a perfect transition to my next question regarding Filipito for the both of you. Uh, Filipito is primarily playing on the wing. We drafted him as a center iceman. He has the size to be a center iceman in this league, and no doubt that that's what the Rangers are hoping for in his long-term development. JL, going back to you, quick, do you think Filipito needs to be moved to center or would you keep him on the wing for the rest of this season? I honestly would keep him on wing for the rest of the season. seems like he's a little more comfortable there, less defensive responsibility, and I think when it comes to trying to get someone down the middle, I think Leas Anderson, for the time being, should be the one that should take most of the reps at center. Filipito's the kind of guy that when, you know, I was saying this myself when they picked him up, you know, you look at his play style and you look at the way he started off at the beginning of last season, you can kind of tell that, yes, he is a centerman for sure, but his game overall translates uh, a lot better uh, on the wing than it does at center. That being said, if 
he wants to play center in the near future and he wants to do that and they think that he can do better with it, fine. But at least for the time being right now, he should just stay on wing. You know, leave it, leave, leave the, leave the center the position to Zvanajad, Hayes, and even Leah Sanderson, Brett Howden. And you know what? Just to add a little bit to this too, the resurgence of Brett Howden has made this decision easier for the Rangers because considering the team has so many centers now, they were kind of flipping in and out, who's who, what's what, what can work, what cannot work. And with Heedle doing well on the wing and Brett Howden doing even better at center, it gives you more flexibility to say, you know what, stick on the wing, kid, see how you ride it out. And, you know, they could just go from there. So I think for most of the season, I think Heedle should stay on the wing. He seems more engaged, active. It looks like he's playing a lot better now on the wing. So I think they should just keep him there. Absolutely. Zach, same to you. Quick, do you think that Heedle should be moved to the center ice position or do you keep him on the wing for the rest of the season? So uh, my feeling is they shouldn't move him. However, um, because you drafted him as a center and because um, that's where he was projected to be coming into the season, I would like to see him get some reps at center. Um, you know, having a shifty winger is great. And I, he's obviously a tremendous talent um, with the puck on his stick. But there's more to the game than just stick handling. And when it comes to defensive responsibility, you know, if he learns that as a center, it could only benefit him if if he moves to the wing permanently. So, you know, the other the other thing with that is, you know, on a power play, if a guy gets kicked out of the faceoff circle, you have an, a second centerman there to take the faceoff or in a late-game situation. If he's on the ice, you know, if you have two centers on the ice. Um, so that's, that's really my thinking is more of, a, as more of a, a utility kind of thing, but not necessarily as his role in the starting lineup. For sure. Uh, moving on here. Jimmy Vesey and Kevin Hayes are both playing the best hockey of their careers. Uh, two guys that, uh, you know, Kevin Hayes especially has been subject to trade rumors, and Jimmy Vesey, very mixed opinion of the fan base with him. But both guys seem to be really buying into David Quinn's system. Jimmy Vesey has eight goals and four assists this season for 12 points in 24 games. Kevin Hayes, 5-11 and 11 for 16 and 24, both playing really good hockey. So, my question to you, JL you're going to get the Kevin Hayes part of this one. Do you think with the way Kevin Hayes is playing that Kevin Hayes should be traded by the deadline? Or do you think with the way Kevin Hayes has been playing under David Quinn, that he deserves to be here over the course of this rebuild? Hmm. Well, if you had asked me this question a couple of weeks ago, I would have immediately have told you, Hey, let's, let's pack him off for a first round pick and a bag of pucks. But you know what? He's kind of turning on me. He's kind of turning me towards him just a little bit. Uh, I am curious to see what kind of offer the Rangers would or could get for him, rather. But if you really think about it now, uh, the position the Rangers are currently in, yes, the draft is very deep. But considering that there's options for Panarin, potentially Nylander, I don't know. That's just speculation at this point. And obviously Artemi Panarin, you know, 
you want to keep a guy here who is familiar with the system and is actually playing, like you said, some of the best hockey of his life. So if you think about it, depending on who they want to keep on this team for next season, it's honestly at this point really just an issue about money because we all knew Kevin Hayes has the talent. You know, but the problem with him was that he tended to, you know, loaf around or didn't really exercise his potential too much. But now it seems like he's definitely rising to the occasion. Uh, we even had someone uh, who was a part of our team discuss that Kevin Hayes is the number one center in this team rather than Mika Zibanejad. But realistically speaking, Kevin Hayes is going to want a lot of money, okay, especially considering the way he's playing right now. So it all depends if the Rangers are willing to give him the money or not. Person, me at this point, I'm still on the fence about it. I would say give him the money, but then again, if some team is willing to overpay for him and say, "Hey, I'll give you a first round pick and maybe a player or two, then hey, why not yeah, take it? I, I agree. I, I it, think that's exactly it. If we get an offer with a first round pick, I think that Jeff Gordon needs to take it. Mm-hmm. And he's expendable for, for, you know, the most part because, again, talking about Heedle, Anderson, and Brett Howden, you know, having Brett Howden on this team makes this decision so much more easier. I mean, it's not easy just to trade a player, of course, but he's a little more expendable now because Howden seems to display a lot of the qualities that Kevin Hayes has, but he's younger. Not to say that Kevin Hayes is going to sign up for AARP tomorrow, but, hmm. um, you know – if if he's older and he's going to want a lot of money, then if you need to allocate that funds to get a guy like a Panarin or someone else, then obviously you make the trade. But it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to keep him on a either a bridge contract or a, a hometown discount, which I don't even know if he'll take, to be honest. But mm-hmm. this is a good problem for the team right now. And he's playing well. He fits the system. I like his game. He's a lot more engaged. He's, you could no, tell he's noticeable all over the ice, but really, if the option is there to trade him, I, w- I would do it. But yeah. if you want to sign him, hey, keep him. I, I have to agree with you in the sense that I don't think he's going to take a hometown discount. I think he's going to want something around the 6.5 to 7 range because that's how the contracts have been trending in this league. I don't think he's worth that much money, and I think they I, – I agree with you in the sense that they should just keep those funds allocated for – uh, run it possibly Artemi Panarin or even someone else that were that maybe they have on their radar, but we'll definitely see what happens down the line. Zach, you got the Jimmy Vesey part of this question. So Jimmy Vesey, well, uh, we're going to have something on the site about this this week as well, but we're going to discuss it today during on the podcast. Do you think that Jimmy Vesey is finally starting to get it? Do you think this is because of David Quinn, or do you think that this is Jimmy Vesey simply on a hot streak and he'll go back to the Jimmy Vesey we know after this? What do you think? Well, before I get to Vesey, and it's going to tie in, uh, with Hayes, I think it, he's a product of the system where he we know he's had the talent, but there was never a coach or a teammate or someone – ahead of him or a leader telling him, hey, if you don't start moving your tuchus, as we say in my native Yiddish, um, <laughs> you know, you're not going to play. You're not going to play. And you're in a contractor, so if you don't play, you're not going to have any value in the offseason when teams want to sign you. So I think for Hayes, 
we knew he had the talent. It was just a matter of someone, you know, making sure that he put in the work so that the talent could shine. For VC, I think it's it's a little bit of both, but it's more VC's. Um, it's it's not as much the system as it is VC. Under the previous regime, VC was still a hard worker. He always went into the corners. You know, he he had his chances, but wasn't able to convert on them. Now you're seeing he's able to convert a little more, uh, or a little more often, I should say. But the work is still there, and now it's just he's playing with guys who are working as hard as he is, if not harder. So I think for VC, it was, you know, it was a question of when the pucks would start going in the net. And now we've seen that starting to happen, but I don't think it's as much of a hot streak as it is that the work is finally starting to pay off and that under David Quinn's system, his game is really starting to flourish. Yes. And it's nice to see Jimmy Vesey, uh, finally kind of putting up stats that we were hoping for for a few years now. And I really hope that this sticks with him because I really would like him to be a productive bottom six forward for us ultimately as this rebuild goes on. And, uh, you know, it would just benefit the team overall to have another kind of homegrown guy uh, be a, a quintessential part of this rebuild. Moving on to a topic that I feel deserves a lot of attention here because I've seen it a lot now. There's a lot of debate about this still. And I wanted a lot of this podcast to revolve around this topic that I'm going to bring up. And that is if we should be worried about Leas Anderson. Now, Leas Anderson was picked seventh overall, seventh overall, the same season Filipino was in 2017. Okay. Right after Leas Anderson is the guy that he is going to be compared for, compared to for a lot of his career due to the pedigree of this person and how highly he was rated, and the fact that the Rangers decided they did not want this guy. Of course, I'm referring to Casey Middlestad. Now, is it fair that that comparison is being made? Is it warranted? I don't know if exactly it is, but I can see why it's being made, because the Rangers passed on someone who many consider to be a possible number one star in this league. Or eventually he can get to that point, I should say. Zach, I'm going to start with you on this one. Do you think we should be worried about Leas Anderson, and do you think that to get him jump started, he needs to be put into the top six? It's kind of loaded. Take your time with your answer because th- this is a this is a pick that could come back to haunt the Rangers if Leas Anderson does not start producing. So my feeling with Leas Anderson is as follows: I think he's, I don't think he's a top six. I think he's a middle six. The problem is, is that as a middle six, he has to beat out. Kevin Hayes and Brett Howden, who A, are playing much better than he is, and B, um, have been, you know, they've maintained their level of play the entire season. Anderson started in the minors, which we saw. Howden beat him out for the, for the spot at a training camp. So I think for Leas, it's more about just confidence. Um, he scored his first NHL goal last season in his debut, which was great. But, you know, he hasn't really done much offensively. Could it be from playing, you know, bottom line minutes? Sure, it's definitely possible. But I think the way his game is right now, he's not going to see top six minutes for sure. 
and I don't see him being anything more than a second or third line center. All that being said, it might be too early to call him a bust, though we'll see what happens. We'll see how the season plays out. My feeling was at the start of the season that if and when the Rangers move Kevin Hayes, um, be it at the deadline or they uh, or trade him earlier or they aren't able to re-sign him in the offseason, that's when Anderson's going to move up. So if, if that means he moves up to the third line and Haddon moves up to the second line, if it means Heedle moves back into the middle and then Howden, Heedle, and Anderson are all fighting for their place in the order down the middle. But I think for Anderson, it's more of his, his hustle is there, his, his defensive abilities are there. Now it's just getting the offense in check uh, or getting it up to snuff where making him the second or third line center is – so obvious that if it doesn't happen, David Quinn will be criticized for not doing it. So, yes. you know, yeah. you know, Anderson is a great talent. He has great heart. He has great passion. But the question is, can he put all that together with great skill? And I don't think we've seen it yet. Doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But if by the end of the season, we can't declare, um, He's he's if we can't say by the end of the season that he is going to be on this team guaranteed next year, I think you call it a bust. Hot take, JL, Leas Anderson. What do you think? Because this is something that is starting to worry me a little bit. It's starting to worry some people out there. Maybe it is too early. Maybe I'm a little paranoid about this. Maybe we're thinking way too early into this about him being a bust possibly, but. You really need to wonder, because even when Philip Heedle wasn't scoring, it was obvious the talent was there. It was obvious he was pushing for it, and it was obvious that he had it in him. Leah Harrison, for all the comparisons people make to him, all the tenacity he has, his willingness to get on the puck, I don't know if he is going to be the player that a lot of us thought he is going to be. And as I said, the comparisons to Middlestat are always going to be there as well as the comparisons you could even say to Michael Rasmussen, Owen Tippett, Gabe Velarde, Nick Suzuki, Eric Bronstrom, Robert Thomas, Kyler Yamamoto, Christian Veselainen, and Morgan Frost, Ellie Tolvanen, and Klim Kostin, who are all picked after Leah Sanderson, who are all highly regarded prospects in their own right. What do you think, man? Should we really be worried about Leah Sanderson? We should be worried about Leah Sanderson just as much as I should be worried about having a rock and an anvil hit me on my head at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> the percentage, of the likelihood of that happening is zero to none. Why should we not be worried about Leah Sanderson? Now, you bring up guys like Keto. Now, actually, let's let's go back a little bit. When Jimmy Vc came in, he was he lit it up. And obviously the talent was there. Of course, we saw him play well in college and at the, you know, for a brief period in time when he first came to the Rangers, he uh, played well. Then things started to, you know, fall off a little bit, you know, for the most part. 
it wasn't the same Jimmy VC that, you know, we were supposed to, you know, get used to. But ultimately, at the end of the day, he panned out. Now, you want to look at a guy like Leah Sanderson, who, let's be honest, doesn't have the same natural skill as Philip Heedle, okay? They're two completely different players, okay? And also, we can't compare Anderson to Middlestad as well. Yes, they're, you know, they're both talented in their own right, but so Middlestad is more of a puck hog and fantastic player in his own right. Let's not take, let's not rule that out. But Anderson is more of the gritty, you know, like Zach said, gritty third line going to get in the corners, get dirty, potential to be a second line center kind of thing. He had flashes of top end talent in Hartford and he could still do that. But the kid is what? 19, 20 years old. Players like him, players like him tend to develop longer or take a little longer to develop than uh, most. And another thing that's not really going his way right now is he's in Hartford playing top-end minutes, and he's killing it. He played top-end minutes in his Swedish Elite League team. He played top-end minutes for Team Sweden. Okay, What the Rangers need to do, similar to what they did with Hedl, is start to expose him and give him more minutes. He's not going to do well enough with player, he's not the type of player that's going to do well enough with like a Cody McLeod playing 17 minutes, 10 minutes a night. Okay, Brett Houghton, Brett Houghton's the kind of guy that could do that. You know, not Leah Sanderson. It kind of seems to me that these uh, the players from out you're in Europe and and, and 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 you know, let's say Sweden and, and the Czech Republic and and all those countries over there. It seems like they tend to do well when they're overexposed. Meanwhile, you could put a guy like Brett Houghton who could play fourth line minutes and can play well, you know, kind of see, you know, there's two different types of play styles. It's not the fourth. So am I worried about Leah Sanderson? Absolutely not. Cause you know what? The Rangers need to give him more minutes. Now we don't know what's going on in the locker room that maybe they haven't done that yet, but you ha it's safe to say that let's say they end up trading Hayes or something happens where they want to shake something up. You throw Leah Sanderson up on a line with Kevin Hayes or, or even put him with Philip Heedle for goodness sake with a, a top end player. You know, realistically, this team won't win the Stanley Cup. So what's, you know, what is it going to hurt that you can experiment? Am I worried about him? Absolutely not. I think the kid will end up being something for this team because clearly the talent's there. It's just he's a different player than Heedle, and he needs more time. I'm going to say it again like I did, like I said with Heedle. Give him more time. Overexpose him. Let him get used to the, the quickness and the, the timing of the NHL-style game. And once that happens, like Heedle, you'll start to see his natural talents come out. The Rangers know what they're doing. This isn't the New York Mets who don't know what player development is if it hit him on the broad side of the barn or they hit him on the broad side of a barn. Probably not making any sense saying that, but the Rangers know what to look for in players. And if he ends up flaming out or not being the – player that he was supposed to be when he's drafted, they'll find some way to either get something for him or get the most out of him. I hope you're right. And I like your analysis there. That's that's the Rangers do know what they're doing in terms of player development. They've been a lot better with it over the past few years. You know, they've been picking the right guys and hopefully Leah Saracen pans out because that's what we all want. That is ultimately what we all we all want him to succeed. We all want to see him be a key cog in this rebuild going forward. Someone who wasn't drafted but is really showing his stuff this year is a man named Neil Pionk. 
Neil Pionk has been one of the biggest surprises since we've basically brought him up and signed him. And as a really crazy stat for everyone here, since 1987, no undrafted rookie defenseman has registered more points through their first 50 games than Neil Pionk. Okay, Neil Pionk currently has, I believe, 28 or 29 points in his first 50 games. Great shot. Really good vision. Sometimes he makes questionable, questionable decisions, but he's a rookie defenseman. That's going to happen. Now, looking at his game, and J.L., we'll start with you on this one, too. Um, Neil Pionk has shown flashes to be a really, of being a really great offensive defenseman in this league. The kind of prototypical defense that teams look for these days. Maybe not the biggest, but really great skater, nice shot, knows how to get uh, the passes through to the forwards. What I worry about, is this the Michael Delzato effect? Is this having a really good uh, first and maybe season and a half of production before we go downhill here? Or do you look at Neil Pionk's game and do you see someone that can be part of the Rangers core six defenseman moving forward here? Do you see someone that will still get minutes once the Keandre Millers, Nils Lundqvists, and Ryan Lindgrens of the world start to rear their heads on Broadway? What do you think? Hmm. Well then, that's a that's an interesting way to put it. Uh, so you, you talk about the the Michael Delzato effect, right? And you you you've got me thinking now about Delzato when he came up, and he was the thing about Delzato was Delzato wasn't as how can I put it dynamic. I liked Delzato. But he wasn't, you know, he wasn't necessarily the strongest defender, you know. I think they started that season off, uh, was it the 0-9-10 or the 0-9-10 season with Delzato and Matt Gilroy on the back end, and they were supposed to be the the future wave of this Rangers defense. But it, you know, when it comes to Pionk, you could look at his game and just see he seems more. He just seems more engaged, and he looks better in his own zone. A lot of people will disagree with me on that. But you want to compare him now to the way Delzato looked. Delzato was, you know, know, I'm shaking my hand right now, you know. (laughs) But I think at the end of the day, though, I think once Stahl leaves, uh, you know, obviously he's going to have to go at some point. And same for Shattenkirk, of course, you know, great player hometown kid, but, you know, his contract comes up. I don't think they're going to bring him back. So I think by that time, Pionk will have already solidified himself into a guy this team will want to keep, you know, like kind of like what they did with McDonough and kind of like what they're doing with Brady Shea. So do I think this is a fluke? Well, it's a little tougher to tell with defensemen because the next season something can just happen and everything can be torpedoed. But if I'm just looking at the way he's playing, because, again, I'm going to use the Delzato comparison again. The thing about Michael Delzato was, is that, again, he was good offensive mind, but the guy could not defend well enough with a lot of pressure. Neil Pionk, on the other hand, you could throw him out there every so often, and he can make a nice play or a big play for you. And he's a better skater, too. Obviously, we know that, of course, because, I mean, if you're spinning around making Carey Price look like an idiot, I mean, that's 
pretty good. I don't think we ever seen Michael Delzato actually do anything like that. I think the best goal I saw Delzato score was in the playoffs against Washington that one year, and he only came up the rush because Alexander Ovechkin fell down and forgot how to back check. And that's no disrespect to Michael De- to you know Michael Delzato by any means. But you're looking at the players. Yes, they're both offensive, but Pionk is right-handed. He's a better skater. He's better with the puck, and I think he'll be able to you know, be a little bit more of an anchor. And then when these young guys come up, it's like, well, you know, there he is, Neil Pionk in the flesh, playing well for this team on the back end. That's one guy that I think the Rangers should definitely keep, and he should definitely be here for the long haul with Brady Shea and, you know, a lot of these other younger guys. Yeah, I think Neil Pionk, I I tend to agree with you. I think he's going to find his place, and I think they're going to want to keep him around because he seems like he's really found his place in David Quinn's system and he, I just think he's your prototypical new age NHL defenseman. Beautiful shot as well, man. That, that power play rip against the aisles was really something. Oh, absolutely. Zach, yeah, it was great. Zach, same question. Do you think Neil Pionk will be a long-term solution on our, on our blue line? Do you think he'll be here within, over the course of this rebuild? Oh, absolutely. Actually, I wrote about this on the site uh, over the weekend. Uh, for those of you who are going to be listening on Monday, about who the Rangers' top six defensemen are and what the pairing should be the rest of the season. Uh, Neil Pionk, to me, is the team's number one defenseman right now. Uh, not to say that Brady Shea isn't a talent or Kevin Jankirk isn't a talent, but when you combine skating, offensive ability, and defensive ability, you're talking about Neil Pionk being the team's best defenseman. Uh, we saw his skating ability with the goal against Montreal. We've seen it in his ability to get back in a play when, you know, his team is, is defending an on-man rush. We've seen his offensive capabilities, as you mentioned, Russ, with the amount of points he's put up in his first 50 games. And defensively, we know what he is. He's a solid defender. He is not going to routinely try and make the offensive play when the defensive play is is safer and much more important. You know, I've, I said this before when we were dealing with uh, Adam Clendenning on the team, and people wanted him to line up because all the advanced stats said that he was better on the ice than the guys who were replacing him. And I said, look, if your job description is uh, is defenseman, you have to be able to defend well. If your job is forward or offenseman, your job is to play offense well. So I don't care if a defenseman is going to put up 60, 70 points. That's great. But if they can't defend worth a lick, then it, it's not worth it to me. Guys like Eric Carlson and Drew Doughty, and Brent Burns and Zdeno Chara and Nick Lidstrom, those guys were all offensive-minded, sure. They all, but if they didn't, if they weren't good enough in their own zone as defenders, they wouldn't have won Norris trophies. They wouldn't be considered some of the game's greats. So, as much as you know, a guy like Clendenning or Michael Delzada when he was with the Rangers was nice in the offensive zone. If you can't defend and you're a defenseman, then you should be a forward. So, 
for Pionk, he's not going anywhere. He will be the anchor of this blue line for the future. He on the uh, with the right hand, Brady, Shea with the left hand, and then as guys come up and as guys leave, you know, Freddie Clayson is a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, he would be a nice veteran ad. Mark Stahl, whether or not they buy him out in the off season is a discussion for another day. But, you know, you're talking about two young players in Pionk and Shea that are going to be with the team for the foreseeable future, and there's no reason not to expect great things from either of them. I hope you're right, because there will be two great pieces for us to have as this rebuild rolls along and we solidify our roster into Stanley Cup contender status once again. Now we're going to take a look to the week, uh, week into the this week and the next week coming up. Uh, we got the Senators twice this week, once to, once to tomorrow, once on Thursday. We've got the Canadians on Saturday, and then we've got the Jets next Sunday for Vic Hadfield night at the Garden. The following week, the Rangers play the Panthers, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Phoenix Coyotes, and the Vegas Golden Knights. So pretty nice stretch of games coming up. Hopefully they take advantage of some of these matchups. Uh, Jets are going to be a tough matchup. Lightning are going to be a tough matchup. And you know the Golden Knights are always sneaky good. Coyotes seemingly are starting to turn the corner. Panthers, we've seen them a bunch this season already. It's going to be some nice battles. And the surprising Ottawa Senators twice this week are going to make for some good matchups. Thanks for tuning in this week, everyone. It's been a pleasure. We'll be back in two weeks once again with more of your favorite New York Rangers news. Have a good week, everyone. Thank you so much. Let's go, Raider Nation. It's me, Evan Grote, host of Just Pod Baby. Join me as I bring you the latest news on your Las Vegas Raiders. On Just Pod Baby, I will give you my thoughts on all things silver and black. And of course, you can expect to receive the best information from top-notch guests. Be sure to listen to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Silver and Black Today Media Group. Business with personality. That's the idea that launched London's business newspaper, City AM, 15 years ago. And it's the same idea that inspired our new daily podcast, The City View, where you'll find me, City AM editor Christian May, interviewing the most well-known, influential and colourful figures from business, politics and finance. The City View from City AM with a new episode every morning. It's the perfect start to your working day. The Raiders have moved to Las Vegas, but Raider Nation is worldwide. Hi, Silver and Black Maniacs. I'm Scott Goldbranson, host of Silver and Black Today, the first and only All Raiders show from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. A-list guests like players and coaches, 
and the best Raiders talk in the land. Subscribe and listen today if you just want to win, baby.